The pay disparity between the men and women is, is just too large and, and we want to continue to fight. Uh, the generation of players before us fought and now it's our job to, to keep on fighting. The pay cap for the women's major league soccer players is 11 times less than the pay cap for men's major league soccer. 11 times. Rapino gets across it. It's towards one Listening to Give and Go with Rotas Wadera only on Girls Soccer Network. Hello and welcome. This is episode 37 of Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. As always, if you are a fan of the site, go check out more at girlssoccernetwork.com. Follow us on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network. On Twitter, at GirlsSoccerNet, we have a YouTube channel. We're everywhere, all right? So be sure to check us out on all of those avenues. And if you want to check out this podcast, just ask Siri. Siri will have you covered, whether it's the show name, Give and Go, to play your newer podcast, to subscribe to this show, to even share this show. We want you guys to share, so please spread the word about Give and Go. We are just as passionate about the beautiful game as you are. Now... Before we get into the soccer, which we all want to get to, of course, I have to remind you, one of our writers, Hannah, for the last couple weeks has just started an Instagram Live trivia show called On The Ball. It's a blast, guys. I'm telling you, if you are in the age groups that are available to you, I believe, it will be an amazing opportunity to not only get to interact with Hannah, who's hilarious and great, I think she's awesome at it, but also you get to learn all of the latest and important trivia that you want to hear and know about. If you think you are a trivia wizard, this is the chance to do it. So 4 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Sundays, go over to our Instagram page at Girl Soccer Network and be sure to follow along. We've also got a top three goals from the weekend where you can send in your best goals to make our list, again, all social media pages. Be sure to send your entries in, and we want to see your galazos, your screamers. We want to see those, so be sure to send those in as well. Lastly, but the most important, black lives still matter. They will always continue to matter. Don't think we forgot. It's still important. It's still important, all right? Just because we had an election and things may have gone the way some of us hoped that it would go, depending on how you may feel politically or not, the fight is not over. There is still so much work that needs to be done. So do not get complacent and do not give up on the fight. We are here. We are strong and we will not give up. We will not be pushed around. We will continue to fight. They have always mattered and they will continue to matter. This fight is never over. It will not be over. We have made one small step towards progress, but there is still more to be done. Okay, now. Time to get into what you're going to be listening to on today's episode. First, we've got the expansion draft, an interview with the head coach, Christy Holly. Great opportunity to speak with him and really impressed with what Louisville has to offer and what they're going to bring to the table in year one. It's going to be exciting. More on that interview. And also, all the way from Sweden, Lauren Barnes on loan from OL Reign and Haley Mace on loan from The Courage in Sweden helped Christianstad FF, or a Swedish team that I cannot pronounce the actual pronunciation to, 
qualified for the Champions League for the first time in club history. They have an interview that they wanted to share their experience and what it's like and shine a light on Swedish soccer. So that interview is also coming up later as well. So be sure to stick around for that. Of course, we have the Premier League in England. Then, of course, NCAA soccer. So a lot to cover. Let's jump right in. The NWSL expansion draft racing Louisville had a great draft, all things considered. I think they made... A lot of great choices, have a ton of solid talent. Let's go down the roster based on the picks. First pick, Addison Merrick from the North Carolina Courage. I think it's a great selection because don't have to do much of the work. The Courage have already developed her into someone who can be a starter. We saw it in the fall series. We saw it in the Challenge Cup. Merrick can play in this league, and I think you have a potential starter right off the bat with the first pick. Next up, you have Julia Ashley. Tons of promise there. I think a little unfortunate things didn't work out with Sky Blue. She went abroad, is now back into the fray. Was with the OL Reign, but again, not much playing time whatsoever. Still a tremendous amount of potential here. One of the best college players coming out, out of North Carolina. A track star who can do it all in the midfield. And again, whether it's at the back or in the midfield, I think... Julia Ashley is another great addition for Racing Louisville. Jennifer Cujo, incredible story for her, who we, of course, we've also had on the podcast before, for her to go from virtually nowhere to Sky Blue to now Louisville, where, again, this is finally her chance to shine. She did what she needed to do. She proved what she needed to prove for Sky Blue against the rest of the league, and I think now it's very, very apparent that... Cujo is a legitimate player. Now, you know, she didn't play her best in the Challenge Cup. It wasn't as great as how she performed in the Fall Series. But Cujo, again, is another nice player who Coach Christy Holly, I'm sure, will be interested in being able to work with and develop and bring out more of that creative side to her game. I think that could be critical for her development moving forward. Fourth pick, CC Kaiser. Again, another solid pick here. With the Houston Dash, so of course, you have her coming off of that lovely fall Challenge Cup title. And then we did see her a little bit in the fall series, but CeCe Kaiser is a nice offensive-minded player who's going to be able to be coached well, be brought into the team to do a job, and that is to facilitate and score. And I think CeCe Kaiser is someone who can do that. Can she do it consistently? We have yet to see. But... Moving forward, Kaiser is going to be a player to keep an eye on. Katie Lund, the young keeper. This was a bit of a surprise for her to be the first keeper taken, but again, you can tell you're going to hear coming up, actually, in our interview with Coach Holly, how they feel about Katie Lund and her progress and how great her college career was. They felt like she progressed enough to be a part of the team, and I think a good opportunity there for her to continue to grow as what would most likely make her the backup in Louisville behind Michelle Betos, who we will highlight in a little bit. Alana Kennedy, a nice pick from the Orlando Pride. I think of all of the star players who are abroad and might not come back, I think Alana Kennedy has the best chance of anyone to come back. I really do believe that because... I think she is a little bit older, more towards the tail end of her career. How long can she play in England? How long is she going to be out there? I feel like she could absolutely come back 
and be a part of this Louisville team. Lauren Millier from, again, the North Carolina Courage. This was another player that, again, you're not going to have to do much work because Paul Riley and their staff have done a tremendous job developing a talent like Lauren Millier who was able to really blossom into her own over the last two competitions with COVID, with the injuries. She got an opportunity to shine in that midfield, and it's clear that she has plenty of talent. Kaylee Real. Another highly touted defender coming out of college at Penn State, I believe, won a national title there from Sky Blue FC. Again, didn't see the field much for Sky Blue FC, but right there is another solid player. You're going to have an opportunity to develop into a rock-solid player. It's all about being able to mold and coach this team into the identity that Coach Holly wants to put them into, into that space. And so by drafting those players and building that culture that, again, you're going to hear about in a little bit, this is a great pick. Number nine, Caitlin Ford. This one I'm not so sure about. She just signed for Arsenal. I don't see her coming back anytime soon. I think her chapter with the NWSL has officially closed. I mean, if she comes back, it is... I mean, she's a player. More so than Tobin and, and Kristen Press, who we're of course going to get to. Because she's younger. She still has so much football ahead of her. She could really be a vital piece if she were to come back, but I don't think she will. Next up, Katie McClure from the Washington Spirit, another young player, another striker that Richie Burke and his staff did a great job bringing along. We saw her again in the Challenge Cup in the fall series, wreaking havoc. I believe she did score a couple times as well, so I think, again, to have attacking options is important, and Katie McClure is figuring to be one of those strikers moving forward. You have defender Aaron Simon from the Houston Dash once again to kind of strengthen that back line and make sure you have enough depth there to at least get something started. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, Michelle Betos is in all likelihood going to be the number one keeper unless, of course, Louisville likes Katie Lund so much and she progresses enough to pass Michelle Betos. I don't think that's going to happen, though, because Betos is one of the best in the game. There is absolutely no doubt about that. She's an incredible shot stopper between the sticks. Incredibly experienced. She's just game. She's just a winner. Always in the right, always making the biggest saves when the moments matter. When the spotlight is on, she is always coming through for her team, no matter what. And she's even as a backup, she's come in, right, for the rain when Lydia Williams is hurt and done a great job. I think she's deserving of being the number one for Louisville. But again, we'll see how that situation shakes out and also... We'll hear about why Louisville did not take Adriana French. And of course, the last two players that we all know and love, Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, I think if you can get them right, that's obviously the big story here. If you can add them, it's scary. It's going to be scary with already having Yuki Nagasato and Savannah McCaskill and those players in place already. So... It's a big risk. We know that. We know that. How is Christy Holly going to make this work is a very big question. With that being said, there's no better way than to transition to the Christy Holly interview. So without further ado, here it is, guys. Enjoy. Coach Holly, thank you so much for joining us. Now as a part of the head of a new franchise, Racing Louisville, what do you want the culture and identity of the team to be? I think it's a very fortunate to be in a position where we're allowed to kind of 
draw it on canvas and, and, and create something that we hope is long-term successful. So when we look at the recruitment of individuals, whether it's players, staff, in the technical staff or front office staff, I think there's a, there's a number of characteristics that we wish to go through when we're talking to these individuals to see if they tick that box. So for us, you know, we're looking, we know there's a long journey ahead of us and there's a lot of work to be done. So bringing in people that are hungry, people that want to be involved in a journey that is going to be exciting, that's going to have ups and downs, that's going to uh, require a lot of energy, it's going to be vital. So that hunger piece is vital and will be consistent throughout the entire organization. I think the, the next piece beyond that is a, a culture that includes many, many humble individuals. And I always look at humility as something that's very simple. It's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. What I mean by all that is bringing in these individuals that are that are willing to put the team in front of themselves, that self-sacrifice to put the needs of the team first and, and having that humility to understand that if we can be successful on a collective front, there is no doubt that that'll raise the individual success within the process. So those would be two of the key characteristics that we're, that we're looking to bring in. And then the final piece for me would really be everybody within the organization is having a real strong growth mindset, regardless if your name's Yuki Nagasada, you've come in, you've won a World Cup, you've won... You know, you've been beaten in World Cup finals, you've competed in the Olympic finals, Champions League, coming in and understanding where it is that you can still go with your career, that you've still got a huge amount of growth ahead of you because then that's contagious throughout the organisation. And then on the flip side, it could be a young player that's coming in off the college strap. Where do you want to go? How do you want to get there? And how can we as a collective organisation provide for you during that journey? So those are some of the factors that we consider when we're building out the, the culture within the organization. Got it. And you've mentioned after the expansion draft had wrapped up that players like Tobin Heath, Kristen Press were no-brainers. But what do you say to those who see it as a huge risk with no guarantee that they'll return to Louisville? I think there's, you know, when you look at someone like Tobin Heath and Kristen Press and you think about their prestige within the game, the caliber of play that they have, the proven success, Tobin Heath... I played in World Cups and Olympics since going back probably to 2008 and has been a consistent member of the US Women's National Team, best team in the world. And, and Kristen Press is also a consistent member in the last five or six years, consistently there within the team, consistently scoring goals in MWSL. And, you know, I, I'm very aware of what people are saying, but I think the people that are saying that it's a risk in the association with that decision is, is very dicey. But they were, you know, unfortunately for them, they're not in the, the day-to-day conversations that we have with people associated with that decision-making process. So, you know, what, what we're looking to do is do right by the players, do right by the organization, and make sure that we have the best players in the world playing for us in Louisville. And we're excited to make a, a good start on that. Absolutely. And tell us more about the goalkeepers you drafted, Michelle Betos, Katie Lund, a veteran, and a younger keeper. And also, how much interest was there at taking Adriana French, two-time NWSL Goalkeeper of the Year? So, I'll speak specifically about Michelle Bates and, and Katie to start with. I think with Michelle, her experience and background in the game speaks for itself. If we circle back to what we talked about with regards to staff building and maintaining the culture within the organization, we feel that Michelle would be one of the key contributors to that. 
she's had a long list of experience within the NWSL and very successful experience within the NWSL. She's been fantastic in, in each locker room that she's worked in and that she's competed in, and that's both on and off the field. You know, and you, you look at her ability to contribute on the field is absolutely first class. So for us, Michelle's experience and her willingness to contribute and be hungry during this building process is vital. And then you look at Katie. I saw a lot of criticism on the decision. That's, you know, people are absolutely entitled to their opinion, but I think it's probably more based upon that people didn't know who she was. If we look at Katie's statistics throughout her college career and the growth that she's had in her college career and the coaching she's been exposed to, it gives us a great deal of confidence in what her long-term trajectory would be. And then just answering the AD piece, yeah, there's there's temptations, of course, you know, but we also feel that Tobin, he is an exceptional player. And we were able to fulfill our goalkeeping needs by recruiting Michelle and Katie. So, I mean, that, that's part of the process. It's, it's weighing up the pros, the cons, and, and trying to, to take on board as much information as you possibly can. There is also a threat that AD would, we were told by our club that she would retire or else that she would go to Europe. So okay. you, we would have to take that information on board and make a, a smart decision for the club. Got it. That makes a lot more sense. And so that must have been a difficult decision to have to decide between Tobin and, and Adriana. But I think, yeah, based on what you've described, it seems like that might be the right way to go. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's definitely difficult. I mean, it's the same across the board. I, I jokingly said that I could write a book of stories after this. You know, you probably put four or five pages of, <laughs> per chapter on each player that was going to move to Europe rather than play in Louisville or else retire six months prior to Olympics, which was quite enjoyable to, you know, hearing all these various different threats. I think the expectation is that we should, you know, pick up the, the players that, that were left unprotected that never played for the team because that's who the fans are not attached to. Whereas I think the beauty of the NWSL is the fact that every team is competitive and, and it's our job to make sure that we build a competitive team as well and give the racing Louisville Racing Louisville fans and ownership what we think they deserve. Mm -hmm. Now, as an Irishman growing up with the European perspective of football or soccer, <laughs> what, drew yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> what drew you towards women's soccer here in America? So I, I first came to coach in America as a, oh, sorry, in 2005. So I was, I was 20, 21 at the time. And, you know, I was just hungry to get involved in all sorts of soccer. And I was working with the youngest age groups. And then I was fortunate enough to take on a, at the time, the U14 girls team. And, you know, I really just enjoyed the relationships that we built with both the, the players and the parents involved in the team. And subsequently from there, I took on a younger team that was U8 at the U7 time and was able to stick with them through to U16 and they had tremendous amount of success. So I think going through that process, you build more relationships on the female side. And then as I went back on this a few months ago and looked at it, one of the themes is I do have a younger sister who was part of the youth international setup back home and very competitive athlete at various different levels, well, various different sports right up to international level and quite a few. And getting to see the challenges that she has to go through on a daily basis to try and get access to the same resources that male counterparts are getting exposed to is kind of frustrating. And it, it, it kind of gives me a little bit of motivation as well to ensure that if I have an opportunity to try and influence that and, and find more equality on both sides, then I should definitely do that. So it was kind of 
it was subconscious, I guess, initially, but the more I was ingrained in it, the more I saw that there's a complete imbalance in terms of resources and accessibility to opportunities. And I felt that, you know, I had to play my part in trying to contribute to the balance in that art. That's great. And in terms of your past experience from Sky Blue, from U.S. soccer, what are some things that you've learned from your past that you plan to bring to, to Louisville? Yeah, I was very fortunate through both experiences that I was able to, to learn a lot and be surrounded by, first of all, phenomenal players, but then, particularly in the second stint with the national team, being surrounded by just such high-level coaches uh, and people. So I think the big thing for me when I went into the Sky Blue was I had a way that I thought we should play, and I wanted to stay true to that consistently. And we were... We were very specific about the exact players that we brought in that we thought would meet that, you know, the time model. But as time went on, I realized that we needed to be a little bit more flexible. So as I look at the approach of the national team and the, the profile of the players, it helped me understand that I needed to really, regardless of what exactly I felt specifically about how a game should be played, I needed to take a look at how the NWSL is played and what it takes to build a successful team within that. Um, and then fortunately as well, one of the things with one of the, the perks of with the national team was you know continually observing international players from various parts of the world, and it gives it a little bit of a head start in understanding those that could potentially come into the NWSL and be successful. So I think there was a lot of learning, but it was really to be a little bit more. The main piece for me was being flexible with the approach and, and understanding that there's a need to be successful in the NWSL on a consistent basis and I need to understand what that takes. Right. How do you feel about the community and fans around the club as things are getting off the ground right now? Oh, they're absolutely first class. They're brilliant. I think for me, that's probably one of the big attractions. I think it's well documented at this point. The facilities that the club has and the, the heavy investment we've made in ensuring that the NWSL team is exposed to the, the best opportunities. And that, and that is so fantastic and I'm so proud to be part of that. But I think truthfully, one of myself, the any player that I speak to is, is the community and the people involved. I know that, you know, if we look at our men's team and the support they have and the interactions that they have with the community and we want to obviously replicate that on the NWSL side. So that's very, very important to me. And, you know, it's I think we're all frustrated because of COVID, but it's something that we're all trying to deal with. We, we wish we had more personal interactions with the fans and the community, but through various different programs that we've tried to set up and different interactions we've had, it's, it's been phenomenal to see the support and the enthusiasm that Louisville and Kentucky are bringing to the NWSL. You've mentioned in, in previous interviews that your ambition is to make Louisville a breeding ground for world-class talent. What are some things you have planned in order to take the steps to make this happen? Almost it's identifying the players that we want to bring in. So we talked about ensuring that we have a culture of hungry people that have the drive and the desire to push their game on to the next level. And, and if we can tie that with identifying the talented people, the hope is that when we put that together, we can push them on to the next level. So that would be the first piece. The second then is obviously from a, a coaching perspective, it's bringing in and, and creating a training environment of the highest standard where there's consistent daily standards that are expected to be met and maintained 
in these standards would be our hope to allow players to add to what they already have within their game, but also to push on through the next threshold, which might be for the youth national team for them, which might be full national team for them, depending upon where they are within their career. So I think that's finally important. And then there's the piece where we want to supplement the young, hungry players with uh, experienced players such as Yuki Nakasato, who, who's been there, done that on the international stage, scored goals in World Cup finals, and, and sharing those experiences and, and helping them understand you know, the sacrifices that are involved in getting towards a, a national team, regardless of the nationality. So I think there's many moving pieces to that, but it's, it's on a daily basis, it's, it's creating and maintaining our training environment and, and making sure that we have the right people inside that environment as well. Hi Coach, last question for you. Having worked with players at the club and international level, what's your advice to young girls out there trying to achieve their dreams and get to that level? Oh, that's a good one. I think for me, it's, it's, you, you, you have to own this process. On a daily basis, there's more and more opportunities being presented and made available to young players, which is great to see, and there's, there's so many strides to be made on that front. But I think one of the, the big downfalls is that too many young players are looking to other people to drive the vehicle and to make and establish the process for them. You know, and I got a 15 year old stepdaughter that wishes to go play in college, and that's the same thing. It's if, if you come to us and you own this process and ask us what it is that I need to do, how can I add to this part of my game, how can I open up these doors, we can help that. But I, you know, that would be my biggest thing to a young player own the process, embrace it, enjoy it. There's going to be good days, there's going to be bad days, we all know that. But it's how we how we own the process and establish that and and, and set that out ahead of us and, and get after it because there's I think although there's still a lot of work to be done I think there's a there's many fantastic opportunities out there for the young female soccer players so if we can if they get out knowing that it's a great head start again that was head coach Christy Holly of Racing Louisville. Two things that stood out to me that I love from that interview. One, when he talked about being humble and showing humility. It's not about thinking about yourself at all. It's about thinking about yourself less. If you can bring yourself to focus on the team and not just you, right? If you want to make it about the club, the club comes first. And that was the biggest thing. That was the biggest takeaway from that interview that I got with him. The other thing is essentially what you heard is that it came down to Adriana French and Tobin Heath for that spot. I think from the thorns, when it comes down to who you're going to take, I certainly was very surprised Adriana French was not selected. But as you heard in that interview, there were rumblings that she might retire or go play to Europe if she got picked. So with with that being said, they really had no choice but to, to go after players like Tobin Heath and Kristen Press. Why not take the shot? Why not? You have a good core in place, a nice young core of players to work with and build around with a little bit of veteran leadership sprinkled in. Uh, so I think it's going to be an interesting environment and it's exciting. Like you can just tell from the way that Louisville has gone about this process that they're going to do it as best and as right as they possibly think that they can do it. And you can just tell from the way that they've drafted, the way that they're focused on their ambition to be bigger than just this club. They want to be a world-class club in general. That's a big, big deal for the league especially. So to take the league to a new place, racing Louisville is going to be critical for that. Another quick NWSL update. We have news on when action will return. Thank goodness. Here is 
word directly from the NWSL website. I quote, players will report to camp on February 1st, 2021, with the first competition coming in mid-April when the NWSL Challenge Cup returns. So that means we got the Challenge Cup coming back in April. Based on the guidance from the NWSL Medical Task Force and Public Health Authorities, the 2021 Challenge Cup will take place in multiple bubble environments, team markets, or some combination of the two. So it'll be very similar to how it was last year. The bubbles east, it was east, west, and north. So again, that is... A great idea that clearly worked, and they, again, should continue to do it, of course. Following the 2021 Challenge Cup, the 2021 regular season of the NWSL will kick off in mid-May. With 24 matches scheduled, the schedule will be announced at a later date. But 24 matches to come, the full regular season, that's what we've missed. That is what we've missed. So 2021 May, this upcoming May, get ready. It's here. The league will be back. And very, very exciting. Six teams will qualify for an expanded NWSL playoffs, which is again going to take place in November. So that means May to November will be the season with the top two seeds receiving buys and the other four teams to duke it out. It's going to be fantastic. I'm so glad we have more teams. We need more teams. Now with the 10th team, this is what it gets us. More parity, more fun more playoff appearances, more happiness, more joy. But this is why we play the game. More opportunities to win championships, more opportunities to play the game you love. That's what it's about. And so love what the NWSL is doing. Love, love, love. All right, time to shift our focus to England across the pond. Barclays, the FA Women's Super League. I think it's a big shock to see Manchester United at the top of the table. We talked about Tobin Heath and Kristen Press joining. Kristen Press hasn't had the impact I think that she would like so far, but Tobin Heath is shredding the competition up. She is a woman possessed right now when she is on the ball. She is borderline angry when she is on the ball. It is scary. It is scary, 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 man. So as a United fan, I'm obviously thrilled to see how much passion she has. And it just goes to show you, I think she just needed a change of scenery. She'd kind of lost her edge in Portland a little bit, and you could tell. And then you move to a club like Manchester United where it's Manchester United, and you're like, hey, I want to play for this club. Not that you, of course, don't want to play for Portland. Sometimes you just need something different. I think that could potentially be the case here. But that goal she scored, she talked the talk against Manchester City about how it's a red town. It bleeds red for Manchester United. And she backed it up with one of the, like, I've never seen anyone hit a ball that hard. Male or female, doesn't matter. Guy or girl, doesn't matter. I've never seen anyone strike a ball that hard. It was crazy what Tobin Heath did. Like, all of her passion and intensity was, like, sealed away into that shot and just exploded into the back of the net. It was incredible. United have beaten Arsenal 1-0. They beat Manchester City in penalties after tying them 2-2 in that derby match. So if they can beat Chelsea, now you're looking at United is in all likelihood the favorite to run away with the league. But, you know, obviously Arsenal is, is still great. Chelsea is still great. 
they are going to be hanging around. But you can't afford to drop points now when you're going against the lower level teams, which they won't. I think it's going to be very interesting moving forward when the big teams get together, the Chelsea's, Arsenal's, Cities, and United's together. Those are the matchups that will matter and will decide the league. Alex Morgan, we finally have seen her in Tottenham colors, but we need to damper the expectations a little bit for her in London. I think for her to step in right away and have an impact is is setting expectations very high coming off of the pregnancy. As, as you can tell, her just getting back to full game strength took a couple matches. And if we can be totally honest here, Tottenham might have finished fourth or fifth in the table last year, but they don't have the level of players that the big four do. They quite simply don't. And that's where it doesn't make sense to me why Alex Morgan, other than the fact that it's London. That's literally the only reason she's going and not joining Arsenal or Chelsea because there's too many stars there. And so I guess she, I don't know how this came about, but the experiment I think might not work out the way people hoped it would. And they're going to learn very quickly that Alex Morgan needs service and that she can't do it all, all on her own. She's going to need that. And Tottenham do have the players to get that to her. But in a new league where everyone's gunning for you, especially after the tea celebration, it's going to be tough for Alex Morgan. I hope that she really shows everyone across the pond what we're all about and, and how great she really truly is. All right. While we are on the topic of world football, let's take you to our second interview of the day. Lauren Barnes and Haley Mace, two UCLA alumnus playing over in Sweden, helping the Swedish team qualify for their first ever Champions League appearance. Here's what it means to them. Enjoy, guys. Haley, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. Before we get into what you and the club have achieved, tell us more about the club and what makes it such a great team to play for. Yeah, so I guess before even coming here, the way that our NWSL season panned out kind of gave us the opportunity to look over into Europe. It's my first time in Europe. It's Haley's second time. She's been in the Swedish League before. And I think initially when I got contact from KDFF that... When I looked in the research, I just saw how long a lot of the players had been here, and including the staff and the coach. And I think that's always an important thing to see because, you know, they're super invested in this club. And I think when I got here, I felt that immediately. And I just think our relationship with the coach and the girls continued to grow over the last three months. And I honestly couldn't be happier with the decision I made to come here. This is Lou speaking. This is Haley now, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Yeah. I played in Sweden last year, and I definitely remember playing against this club, and they were just a super passionate team and super competitive and had a lot of spirit, and I think that's been in their environment for so long, and I knew that about this team, and I wanted to be a part of that. I'm also a type of player that likes to compete and wants to play with players that are going to push me and fight for everything. And this team has that mentality. So, yeah. Now, leading up to trying to qualify for the Champions League, what were some of the results you guys needed? And what was the feeling like when you'd finally achieved it? I think this team didn't start off too well in the table. But then I think by the time we got here, they were already in 
fourth place. The team behind them was only a few points behind. So I think just honestly, every game we've played has been super tight and either we're chasing a team or the team is chasing us to try and pass us in the table. And I think just going off of that, that's what made our experience here so much fun as well. Like every game, essentially, when we got here was a championship game to continue try to fight for that third or second spot. And I think being part of a team, like Haley said, that is so passionate and you know, we'll fight everything out to the last minute is what you saw every game. And I think that's what made this ride so enjoyable. And me and Haley were so lucky enough to experience, you know, three months of that. So it's just a short period of time with the girls obviously putting themselves in such a great position before we got here. And we were just lucky enough to kind of help them. And you can tell that this was something that was so special to them. And yeah, every game was literally a championship game for us. So having that kind of pressure was, I think, good for both of us individually to kind of have that going into each game. And so would you say expectations kind of shifted for the team once you guys got there? Like going into the season, Champions League wasn't exactly on your guys' radar and then all of a sudden it became something later on. Is that correct? I think this club in general forever, that's always been on their radar. They always wanted to be a team that competes, you know, to win the league and be in Champions League, I think, because that's always been talked about when we got here for sure. So I think this year they just really put themselves in a really good position. And then, like I said, when we got here, I just always remember them saying we're taking each game, you know, one game at a time. So that's kind of how we focused on it. And like Haley said, we had teams chasing but we were also chasing you know trying to compete with the top two in the Swedish league for a very long time and we were right there you know every step of the way so I definitely don't think it was just an expectation this year but I think it has been for them for a long time and you can touch on that playing against them too (laughs) yeah and also last year only two teams made Champions League and they made it so three teams could play in Champions League this year so I think that also maybe inspired the team and the players to like fight for that usually Rosengard, Gothenburg they're always in the top two spots and I think it's really hard to catch them sometimes if you lose certain games in the middle of the season so I think having that third spot was really good for this league and other teams also tried to fight for that third spot and now what does Champions League qualification mean to you guys to the club to the fans what does it mean Yeah, I feel like we've actually spoken about this quite often. Like, it's very rare to come across a team where we've come in pretty late in the season, new players as well. We haven't played for this club. But I can just always feel it in my heart when I went out there that I wanted to, you know, give everything I possibly could to this club because I feel like they've done that for us for one. But also just seeing these girls that have fought to be in this position for so long. Like, some girls, 12 years for however long the club's been here, the coach the same. So you just always felt that passion and there was nothing more than wanting to get to that third, second spot for them. And you just felt it every game, you know, like it was so much passion put into it, but yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we don't really get to fight for a Champions League spot in the NWSL. So it's definitely a different like mentality in this league teams wanting to play in Champions League and I know like a lot of football players they want to be in Champions League and play on that big stage 
and not a lot of people get to do that and experience that. So, like, we're super excited for this team to get the chance to do that and glad we got to help them reach yeah. that goal. It's the first time in club history as well. So, I think after knowing that they made the top three, you can just see it in everyone's eyes like, tears, like, so much passion and happiness. So, we were just lucky enough to kind of come in here and be able to contribute whatever we could. But they've done a lot of the work beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of playing abroad, where would you rank this experience compared to some of the others? Because you've both been abroad for different teams before. It's hard to say because we were only here for a few months. But obviously I played with Rosengard last year and I was here for an entire year living by myself. So I think that in itself was just a different experience. Whereas like this year I got to live with Lou We've gotten super close, and I think that has made this experience more enjoyable. And also just the girls on this team are so great. Like, the day we got here, they were super welcoming. Like, we've made some really good friends here, and I just think this league is very competitive also. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think this club values those relationships because you can see it the minute we came into the environment. And to make, like, obviously Haley and I knew each other very little before coming in and obviously just meeting all the girls for the first time but we've made such good connections and I think that's a testament to the time we've been here but the environment that this club has you know it's incredible to come in for three months and not want to leave because of the relationships you have with girls and also just how fun it was to be out in the field and play for a club you know that supports you and wants you to do well and value you as a footballer and a human so I think that's been like pretty incredible and then on the soccer side like Haley said this league's so competitive there's aspects of it that we don't see in the U.S. and I didn't see in Aussie as well where I've played for the last six years there's relegation stages so teams actually get knocked out of the first division and go down to the second division so you kind of have that whole aspect thrown into it travel's different here you know we do a lot of travel by bus and their long bus rides and you know, you have to go do that and then perform as well. So there's aspects of that that's different. And then I think just the mentality here, like our practices were always super physical. The games were super physical. And because that environment's created here, it's like every game we went out, we had to fight for every point that we got. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned not wanting to leave have you guys thought about future plans with this team? Would you consider playing next year in the Champions League? Yeah, we're trying to sort all that out right now. <laughs> At option years with NWSL, so the way that works is that our rights are still within our clubs that we went on loan with. So we kind of have to see how that all plays out. But if we both could have it our way, I think we would love to come back and, you know, continue this journey with this team and watch them be super successful in Champions League. Yeah. Again, that was Lauren Barnes and Haley Mace. And so great to be able to talk to them because you could tell how much it meant to them to be a part of what the people in Sweden were experiencing. And I know that they weren't able to truly like really convey exactly what it was, what that feeling was, but to be able to talk to them about how the togetherness and chemistry all just came together and clicked at the right time, considering they only got here a couple months ago on loan and were able to so quickly turn it around. Again, every game being like a championship game, that's got to be an incredible experience. And 
we need more of that. We need more exposure like this. Not just to be able to watch our Americans abroad, but to be exposed to different brands and types of football, right? We have to expand our horizons to new styles of soccer. The game will not evolve if that does not happen. If we cannot see how the Swedes play, right? If we can't see the, the Freund Bundesliga or Ligue 1 Feminine in, in France, we can't watch any of those. We don't really have access to any of those. Right, the FA player has been made available to us. Right for the Barclays FA Women's Super League, and then even with the W League, we still have enough content to be able to follow it. Right, because they each have Twitter accounts. The Swedish league doesn't even have a Twitter account. Okay, so how can you even follow the results over here in America? We can't. And so to get that, like we even got news that Emily Sonnet was on Gothenburg, who who won the league. So. Right. Like they had to announce it to us. We need that exposure. We're in 2020. Right. All this access to all this information at the touch of a button. Yet we can't be connected with other leagues from other countries. And that's unfortunate. But again, with more stories like this to hear Christian Stad and, and what the club was about and for them to be able to qualify. It's a truly tremendous story. OK, next we move to NCAA conference tournament season, the madness. Oh, man. Of course, the three power conferences that were playing, the Big 12, SEC, ACC. Big 12 did not have a conference tournament. TCU ended up being the best team in the Big 12. They won 1-0 over West Virginia, number three in the country versus number four. So essentially, I mean, the gravity of that was big. I think, you know, we've had Coach Nikizo Brown on the show before, thought it was going to be West Virginia, but in Fort Worth, in TCU territory, they, they clinched the Big 12 title. It is a big moment for the program. They had never won a conference championship until last Friday night. 1986, right, is when the program actually started. So they're a young program compared to some of these blue bloods in the Big 12. Yeah. An undefeated season, 8-0-1 as well. So big congrats to the TCU Horned Frog for getting it done in the Big 12. Florida State beating North Carolina again, 3-2. Mark Krikorian has Anson Dorrance's number in this ACC tournament. He is 5-1-1 against Anson Dorrance all time. I'll tell you what, man. If you had a 5-1-1 record, that's the Achilles heel in the Tar Heels in, in this ACC tournament. They cannot beat Florida State. And that's thanks to Mark Corian and what they've been able to build at that program. That Florida State team is really, really good. Stars all over the place. Jalen Howell, of course, scored in the match. Yuji Zhao is incredible, right? Malia Berkey, they have some great great players and it's they are a joy to watch so does North Carolina we know Brianna Pinto among others right but when you look at Florida State as the best team in the ACC it's pretty true I think at this point with, with this latest window of players that they've had Florida State's the best team in the ACC but it's about the constant recruiting and, and bringing in and, and reloading and I think Mark Recording will definitely have that ready when the time is right Lastly, the biggest story from the NCAA, the Vanderbilt Commodores, the number seven seeded Vanderbilt Commodores won the SEC tournament championship. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This doesn't happen, guys. Like, it doesn't 
happen this way. Okay, this is some March Madness college basketball type run that the Vanderbilt Commodores, the seventh best team in the regular season of the SEC, went on an unreal run. Okay, unreal run. Beat Mississippi State, the 10 seed. Then beat Tennessee, the 2 seed. Then beat Texas A&M, the 3 seed. And then capped it off with a win over number one seeded Arkansas. 3-1. They jumped on them from the gate. Razorbacks were still in it, but they just could not recover. What a huge win this is for Vanderbilt. And considering they don't have an NCAA tournament to go to, that part is a little unfortunate. They, you know, they'd get an automatic bid. We'll have to see if it'll get extended into 2021 or not. They would have gotten, I think, an NCAA tournament bid off of this, but still an incredible, incredible story. And on the other side, the Razorbacks of Arkansas, just misery in the SEC tournament final game. Five years running. This is the fifth year in a row they have lost in the final. In the final. Are you kidding me? Wu Pig Sui is not doing too great right now. I can guarantee you that. Arkansas is feeling these losses. They cannot get over that hump. It is so unfortunate for them. So, so unfortunate. But hopefully they can come back year six, do it again, be the number one seed, and actually close the job, get over that mental hump. I really hope they do it. But again, Vanderbilt, the number seven seed winning the SEC tournament. Again, it does not get much better than that in terms of Cinderella stories. Again, we talked about taking you around the world. One final nice little tidbit before we get out of here. Lyon and PSG, League One Feminine, you know that's the matchup. You know that's what we all want to see. Right, the two best teams in France. Of course, Lyon has dominated, but guess what? PSG, Marie Antoinette Catoto with an absolute beauty of a goal. Chef's kiss slid it past the keeper. I'm not quite sure what Sarah Buhadi is doing. She gets caught in situations like that all the time, taking a big risk that she probably didn't need to take there. And so Catoto scores 1-0 win for PSG. But here's the kicker. Lyon was unbeaten for four years, 80 matches, 80 straight matches of not losing. Four-year run ended. That is unreal in the league. I mean, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Congrats to PSG for being able to pull that off. Lyon, I'm sure, is going to be able to start a new streak right away because they're, of course, that amazing. But... (laughs) <laughs> this is, I mean, you don't see things like this happen every day. The fall of, it's not a fall of a dynasty or anything, but you don't see losses like that very often in the women's game with teams as good. It'd be the similar thing to watch the U.S. women's national team, you know, lose a match that they shouldn't have lost, right? It'd, it'd be a, of that level, maybe even more, who knows. But yeah, that is all that we have today for episode 37 of Give and Go. I am your host, Rotas Wadera, and thank you so much for making the choice to listen to us at Girls Soccer Network. Again, check us out on www.girlssoccernetwork.com, on Instagram at Girls Soccer Network, on Twitter at Girls Soccer Net. Again, share this podcast, give and go as much as you possibly can, guys. We love you, and stay safe out there. Please stay safe, okay? Be good. Have a great holiday season, y'all. Talk to you soon. Peace.